Welcome to BFNC Living, sponsored by Buffalo Federation of Neighborhood Centers. BFNC Living is a weekly podcast to help you navigate life issues and to help enhance our overall quality of life. We know life has many ups and downs, but a helping hand and a listening ear can help. Each week, we will share stories about a variety of topics, feature special guests, share information and valuable resources available in our community. Please follow BFNC Living at www.bfnc.org, Facebook and LinkedIn. Welcome to BFNC Living. I am Chandra Redfern, CEO of BFNC and your host for today's show. I am joined by Brittany Adams, and I'm going to talk a little bit about who Brittany is. So Brittany Adams is a registered nurse, young entrepreneur who resides in Buffalo, New York. She is currently the president of IOTA Etta Etta Inc. of Chi Etta Phi Sorority Inc., which is the first nursing sorority in Buffalo, New York, where service for humanity is the motto. She works as a quality assurance supervisor for Maximus. Maximus is an organization that serves the people and ensures consumers obtain the long-term care services that are most needed. She's a proud owner of Footprints Case Management, where individuals receive professional guidance in obtaining services in the community to help promote better health outcomes. She is currently a member of the New York State Adult Association, Jack and Jill of America Buffalo Chapter, and Buffalo Black Nurses. She's also a proud wife and mother of one. Welcome, Brittany. Thank you. So we are, I would like to say, coming out of this COVID pandemic, right? Things are opening up more. But one of the things that I was thinking about was how COVID really magnified the health disparities that we face in this country, right? Um, so we, we saw certain numbers of people that were getting more sick, not getting vaccines, not getting, you know, healthcare, you know, hospitals are full, all of those things. But interestingly, right, like we've been talking and we've heard a lot of stories from women that have had terrible health outcomes because they believe they were not being heard. So, um, an article in Huffington Post was titled, Doctors Can Dismiss Women's Health Concerns. And here's how to take back some controls. And the article begins with this passage. It's a well-known fact that men and women tend to express pain, whether physical or psychological, in different ways. They're also treated differently because of it. Evidence shows women are often deemed overly dramatic and dismissed by medical professionals, which has deadly consequences. And I was further reading, and there's some research that talks about implicit gender bias playing a role and um, whether a woman's report of pain is believed or not. And then it gets even more interesting when we start looking at uh, race-based implicit bias, right? So as a result, women of color are often at a greater risk of being overlooked by their physicians. So I thought it would be good to have a conversation and talk about this issue. So, I mean, what is it? Is it a communication disconnect, disconnection or what is going on? Because just the other day I was speaking to someone and they were talking about someone who's not a person of color um, and an affluent person, but even their concerns were not being heard by their physician and they had to go to some specialists and have someone advocate for them. So what's happening here? Okay, so the first issue is the advocacy. Are the consumers advocating for themselves? Mm. Are they, do they know what questions to ask? Do they have someone that can advocate for them in that situation so that they can get the care that they need? Mm -hmm. So I think it starts with advocacy. They have to know 
that they are important and they they need someone who will take care of them. So they have to advocate for themselves first. But okay, so yeah, I I get it. And actually, that was one of the things I want to talk about was how to be better self advocate. But you know, even I, I know with myself, like historically, when I've gone to the doctor and I'm talking to my doctor, sometimes I've felt like, okay, you're not listening to me, and you're just like wanting to prescribe things, tell me to do things. And you know, when we start talking to more women, like we're I'm hearing some patterns here. So I don't know, you know, I I did a bunch of research and I don't know if it's, if it is gender bias, if it is, does it have anything to do with race? Is it just that the doctors are busy? Um, Maybe it could be, we're not, people haven't been advocating. That's one of the things that I've learned. And we're going to talk a little bit more of that later on when we give our listeners some tips of what they can do. But I mean, I just find it amazing um, that, you know, there are so many women that have a lot of serious health conditions and they go to providers um, and they're just not heard. And, you know, they'll say, oh, you know, it's just, it's nothing, it's in your head or there's no problem. We don't find anything. But I would like to think that a person really knows if they're experiencing something different in their body or if they're in pain, right? That is so true. So I have, I can speak on that because being a nurse, you know, at the bedside and being a nurse, uh, even in a clinic, in, a, in the clinical setting, I've seen where the doctors are busy. They do have a lot going on and they sometimes deal with the patient on the surface, look at the chart and don't look at the big picture of the, cons- um, mm-hmm. of the patient. Um, it's imperative that the doctor takes out that time with the patient and explore the issues, explore the concerns for that patient. As a nurse, we see it differently sometimes because we are at the bedside and we are with that patient more than the physician. So we actually are in tune to the symptoms and the issues and concerns that they're having, and we can address them right away. Mm-hmm. Whereas the, the physician has, um, if you come in for a certain issue, they're addressing that issue. They're not addressing the other mm-hmm. concerns that you may have at the time because their time frame is is all about the one issue you came in for. Wow. So it's just focused in that area. You do have some doctors who are holistic, who will look at the whole problem. If you come in with a certain situation or a specific uh, issue, some doctors will say, you know what, I'm a holistic doctor. So I'm going to address all of your issues and concerns here so that you can go home feeling better mm, okay. and your needs will be met. So you right. have two different, you have two different, set of like, um, I don't know, opinions or um, ways the doctors will perform wow. their services. Well, I never thought about that. So that's, that's really good insight. So basically, as a consumer of health services, we need to be mindful that some doctors, when you show up and you say, oh, my pinky is hurting, they're only going to look at your pinky Correct. to try to alleviate that pain from your pinky, right? Um Whereas other doctors are going to dig deeper to figure out, okay, well, what else is going on? Why do you have this pain? Um, Those types of things. So um, what about, you know, so let's talk, let's talk about this, you know, we'll we'll kind of skip around a little bit. So we know that the medical profession is is changing so much. Um, We know that the crises we've been in with nurses and everything else, um, 
you know, and you mentioned earlier about advocating, which I think is so important, you know, having worked in community for so many years and, um, you know, at BFNC, we're really strong on people advocating for their rights. And I tell everybody, even in my family, I'm like, you know, you have to advocate for what you need and kind of tell them what they need to do and they need to go. And I think advocacy is so important because I don't think that anyone knows their body better than the person themselves. Um, sometimes I hear people say, well, I don't like this doctor or I have to wait too long at that doctor. And I'm a firm believer of like shopping around, right? When you have to find a new doctor or something like that, um, you need to get some reviews about that particular physician, you know, because although I've had experiences where like one doctor was great for some friends of mine, but when I went, I was like, oh, that's not great. Don't work for me. Um, what are some things that you could tell our listeners to look for when they are shopping for even a primary care physician or a specialist or, or just any type of healthcare provider? First, sometimes getting referrals, you know, having someone you know refer you to a specific physician, you know, having that contact and information that your friend or your associate can provide you, mm-hmm. which is super helpful. Um, the other one is you can look up the reviews online. You can Google that physician's office. You can also Google the physician itself mm-hmm. and see, you know, how they rank. How does their consumers or how how does their patients rate them? Are they timely? Uh, do they, you know, if they are not timely, do they apologize for it? Do they have mm-hmm. b- good bedside manners? Good bedside manners are is huge. Yes. Because you have to, if your patient doesn't know that you care, they're going to be like, why should I even see you? Why mm-hmm. should I even, you know, go and see this position because they don't have the bedside manner. So you can look at all of the reviews online and you can have the, the information that you've received from the person who's giving you that referral. Mm-hmm. And, and I think the reviews and, and Google, I mean, y'all are on the internet is really, really great. I mean, because you can kind of get a broader sense of kind of what's going on at a particular physician's office. So, Something interesting that I was reading was because a lot of times I find with, um, well, I find it 50-50 with some women I talk to. Some of them are like, oh, I prefer a female doctor because I feel like they understand me. And then others have said, no, they don't have that preference. Like they felt misunderstood by having a female physician. What, you know, what do you, what do you have to say about, about that? I mean, why would, because being a woman, I would think like going to another woman, she'd be like, okay, yeah, you know, we, you know, women's bodies are different and, and they would be more prone to listen to some of the concerns that we have and things like that. But sometimes people have said that's not the case. I mean, I've had an experience where I went, I I had a female uh, specialist and, you know, I, I had an issue and she kept saying, well, oh, well, why are you concerned about that? And I was like, whoa, what do you mean? Why am I concerned about that? Because I don't think that's normal. And ultimately I ended up leaving that, that specialist and and finding someone else and they were able to diagnose what the issue was. But I was quite taken aback by like her approach to my concern. Like, well, it's not a big deal. So it's, it's all about preference. Mm -hmm. If you prefer a female over a male, then, you know, go with the female. It may not have been a good fit for you for that particular female doctor. Mm-hmm. If you would have went to another female doctor, you may not have experienced the same thing because everyone is different. I have had a similar, very similar issues when I have met with different physicians in my, you know, in my doctor's office and I chose not to even see them. So if, if, when I'm offered, you know, an appointment, 
for a specific doctor, I tell them specifically who I want to see. Wow. So that good. I can actually see the person who I want to see and avoid the, the 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 practitioner or avoid the physician who I don't necessarily um who I don't necessarily want to care for me because I don't think that they have my best interest at heart. Oh, I, I like that when you're saying uh, you talk about choice um, because sometimes I think individuals don't feel they have choice, right? Like they feel like well, I'm going to this practice and, you know, this is a doctor or whatever. And I know more and more, I mean, you know, gone are the days of like, you kind of just had your family doctor and it was the only doctor in the office. Now you go and there's like 50 doctors in the office and you're making an appointment. You're not necessarily making it with the doctor that maybe you were seeing six months ago. And um, which can lead to, I think, a lot of different issues because now you have another doctor that has to get caught up on who you are and what's going on. But if you have a bad experience, like being comfortable with saying like, no, I I don't want to put me with that person or I prefer this person. And I think that's something important for our listeners to understand. Um, I find a lot of times when we work with individuals that may be on Medicare or Medicaid, they feel like, oh, I just have to go to this doctor. And I'm like, no, you know, like you're a consumer. You may not be paying for it out of your pocket but they're still billing Medicare. They're still billing Medicaid. I mean, they're if you have private insurance, they're still billing that private insurance for that visit. You are a consumer. And so customer service means a lot. And if you're not satisfied, then you have a right to say, you know, I don't want to see that person. So I I love that, that uh, comment that you made. And um, you were talking about advocacy. And one of the things that... Um, I've had to learn because you also talked about the time and how like they come in and they're just looking, some doctors are just looking, okay, well, what's the problem? Let's get it done. I have learned also that like, I have to write down what I want to ask my doctor before I go. One, sometimes I don't even remember everything because it could have been something that happened a few weeks ago. But two, it helps me because I think sometimes when we're caught up in the busyness of them coming in, we may forget to ask something. So, um, what are some recommendations that you would give um, when people are trying to write down or, or help to quantify their issues? Like, what can they say to the doctor to help them convey what the issue is that's going to help the doctor to help them? First of all, they need to be honest. They need to have a good mm-hmm. rapport with that physician. Second of all, they need to create a list of things that they need to address with the physician. And it doesn't need to be a laundry list of things. It needs to be things, um, issues or concerns that are specific to them that are causing them issues or concerns throughout their daily um, task. Um, they need to actually, when they convey this message to the physician, they need, don't give the, the, the physician a list of information. Go, hi, just explain to the doctor, I have information that I want to discuss with you. And can we do it one by one and have the physician to address each concern one by one instead of giving him a list of information? Because he may list, he may uh, forget to address one of the concerns. He may look over one of them or he may not. Maybe he'll look at it and say this is too much to discuss right now because I only have 30 minutes. You have only a 30 minute appointment and to address the list is going to take an hour. So actually address each concern one by one and allow the physician to actually address each concern. Hmm. Okay. One by one. And that, that makes sense. I never thought about that. And 
Um, I know I've found sometimes I have to repeat things or I, I've gotten to the point and, and it was interesting. One of the articles I was reading and it said, repeat it. I'm notorious for doing that. I'm like, okay, so this is what I just said. Do you understand what I just said? And some doctors will be like, why are you asking me that? But I'm like, no, I want to know that you heard what I said. Um, and, and understand what I'm conveying is going on with me so that we can try to get to the, the bottom of this. But I think that's really great advice to make a list and address one thing at a time because sometimes people have a lot of things going on and they'll try to get them all out at one time and you want to give the doctor some time. And then you you just made a comment. You said that you only get like 30, a 30-minute 30 appointment. So would you recommend for someone, say like they've got a long list of issues, when they call the office, would you recommend that they say like, you know, that they ask the duration of the appointment or they say like, I have some complex health concerns. I may need a little more time. I mean, is that something you would recommend to people to do? That would be a good idea. Mm-hmm. Whether or not they can accommodate is another thing. Mm-hmm. Okay. Because if you're at a busy physician's office, they may not be able to accommodate an hour visit. But if you let them know, maybe they can do it, schedule that appointment later on down the line and say, you know, maybe it'll take a few days to get an appointment for an hour, um, but we can do that for you. But actually, that's all about advocating for yourself, asking the asking the doctor's office, can you reach out to the physician and ask for an extended visit so that we can address the, the issues and concerns? Yeah, I think that that would be a, a very smart um, thing for people to do is to kind of give the doctor's office a heads up um, because sometimes they are trying to rush you through, you know, and, and kind of, and I get it, right. There's a, they have to see a lot of people. There's a lot going on. Um, but we want to make sure that people feel that they are given the time that they need mm-hmm. um, in order to address whatever issue that they have. And I know sometimes like we work with people and they do have difficulty um conveying what is going on with them. Sometimes it's not so easy for them to say, you know, oh, you know, they might say, I'm not eating, you know, and obviously a doctor wants to know, okay, well, what do you mean you're not eating? So how often do you eat, you know, a day and how long has this been going on and things like that. Um, So would you recommend that, you know, even if you're having some kind of differences in health or symptoms that people kind of keep a simple log of, frequency or kind of what they're experiencing? It's important for you, for patients to keep logs of when the concern is happening, when the issue is happening, if they're having shortness of breath, if they're having chest pain, if they're having low or high blood sugars, they need to write, they need to have a diary, um, a health diary. And if they have medical issues, if they have diabetes and they're checking their blood sugar, they need to write down each blood sugar every single time they take it according to what the doctors, you know, according to the doctor's orders. Um, and if they do that, it's um, not only do they have a log of the occurrences which in which the issues or problems occurred, but they also can take that to the physician's office and show the physician, first of all, that I've been an advocate for myself. I am taking ownership of my own health care, and I do want to make sure that I'm doing the right thing. So it actually empowers the physician even more to really provide the services that um, the consumer needs. 
So when we start talking about, like we started off talking about women not being heard. And we've just talked about some ways that individuals can advocate for themselves when they're dealing with doctors, right? So do you think that a individual, a woman would get a, a, perhaps a better response rate doing some of the things that we've talked about um, in terms of self-advocacy, like keeping those really detailed logs, having their list ready, you know, um, asking for another physician if they're not feeling the one that, you know, they've been assigned to and they dealt with before. Do you think that that kind of um, kind of sparked something in the physician? Like, okay, I need to be on my P's and Q's with this person. They're going to ask Absolutely. me some questions. Absolutely. Like it will, it will cause the physician to say it, it kind of turns the light bulb on for the physician itself. Cause it's like the physician saying you're taking ownership of your health mm-hmm. and I'm not just giving you information or medication to put a bandaid on your issue or concern or your right. disease. You are actually going to work with me as a team and we're going to attack this disease or disease process and we're going to work towards either you getting cured or for this to actually be um, uh, normalized in your body with the medication and the treatment being provided. I love what you just said. Like we're going to work as a team. And I think that oftentimes I know that I personally have felt this way going to a physician's office or a specialist's office and feeling like we're not a team. We, we are not working on the same team um, because you want me to do something that is not happening. And I've gotten to the point in my life where I'm like, that's, I'm not doing that. So we're going to talk about something else. Um, and I think that like we have to all get to that point, especially as women, right? Because I was just speaking to someone and we know that um, uterine uh, fibroids is really common amongst women of color. And a lot of times... I've heard uh, people say their physician said, oh, I should have a hysterectomy. And, um, you know, sometimes they're a childbearing age, they haven't had children or whatever. And it's almost like they're hesitant to say to their doctor because, I mean, I know I've experienced uh, uterine fibroids and it is a serious issue. Um, and, and I think like they want to resolve the issue, but that's not really the answer. And so I know that I found working as a team with my physician really helped me to resolve my issue. It's like, let's explore what the options are, right? Before we go really extreme. And so I love the fact that you brought up the teamwork aspect, right? I think that, you know, a lot of our parents or grandparents kind of came from what the doctor said, the doctor said, and this is what I do. And I think that doctors go to school and they're very knowledgeable and, and we appreciate that. But I still feel like, okay, this is this is my body, right? So we should all have a say in kind of what treatment we're going to um, partake in. And, and also different treatments do different things for different people. We don't know if it works with their lifestyle. So the point that you made about teamwork is so essential, right? So you're being an advocate for yourself. You're, you're, you have your list, you're shopping for your doctor, all of those things. And and then you're saying, okay, let's work together, right? So it's not just a doctor saying, here's the prescription, this is what you need to do, right? Because a lot of people don't do it, which is a whole nother conversation, <laughs> but that we're going to work as a team to kind of resolve or figure out what is going on. And I think that's what a lot of women are looking for. It's not necessarily, I mean, I know, um, and we're going to talk a little bit about preventive care, um, but sometimes when you are dealing with an issue, 
it may be something that you can't eradicate. It's something maybe that you have to learn how to control and manage. But I do find that if we can look to work as a team, it helps to comfort that individual more versus this is what the doctor is saying and the person is confused and, and those types of things. So I appreciate you're using that that uh, word team, team, right? Because it's really when it comes to healthcare, it's it's a team effort, right? Um. And so we've been talking about advocacy and we talked about making the list and doing the doctor search and, you know, but there's been some cases where people still don't feel like they've been able to get their issues resolved. And so a lot of times I know I'll get calls and people will say, you know, in the mental health field, they'll say, oh, well, is there somebody you could call to follow up on something or whatever? Um, How would you suggest a person go about looking for a trusted professional to help them? Because sometimes you have to pull somebody else in to the equation. So that is a loaded question because you can find help anywhere. But my suggestion would be to get a care manager that can help manage your healthcare needs. They can help call your physicians, specific physicians, not just your primary, but your specialty physicians, you know, your endocrinologists, mm-hmm. your oncologists, that, that person can help you manage your health care. You can reach out to that person. That person can be an advocate for you. Mm-hmm. They can actually call and make sure that you have all of your needs met. If you create a list, they can make sure that they check off that list um, to ensure that your health care needs are met. And there's a lot of health care management organizations mm-hmm. out there. If you're if you have Medicaid, you do have access to a, a care manager through Medicaid. Yes. If you do have uh, independent health, United Healthcare, they have care management organizations built into their insurance plan that you can actually connect with. So it's just a matter of you actually reaching out maybe to your insurance company. Do you have a care manager? You know, they can assist me with to help, you know, to manage my health care. Do you have someone that can advocate? I recent I worked for United Healthcare and they had a healthcare advocate. So does Independent Health. So if you don't know um, that those resources are, resources are there, you know you don't know who to reach out to. So you got to reach out to those who are already in you know your own network. And I love that you brought up the insurance companies because we. At BFNC, we have a very large care management department, and we work a lot with individuals that have Medicaid. Um, and sometimes people who don't have Medicaid say, oh, I don't have access to the service. But you do, because every health insurance has care managers mm-hmm. to help you navigate the process. And so um, I think that's great that people should know, contact your health insurance company Ask them to link you with the care manager. Um, I also know that if, you know, the um, certain specialties, like if you have cancer, they have care managers at those different facilities. But people need to utilize those resources because it can be overwhelming having to deal with so many doctors or you're dealing with so many complex health issues and trying to figure out when you go to this appointment or what are you supposed to do? And there is someone that can help you do all that so that you can get the best outcome possible. So that is some really good information for people. So we talked about advocacy um, and like knowing our bodies, right? Writing down things, you know, shopping for doctors, care managers that can help us. But 
at the end of the day, a lot of our health concerns are preventable. Mm -hmm. A lot of the things that we deal with are preventable, right? And so I think this whole health thing can be very overwhelming, right? Because that's the push for everybody to be healthier. We all want to be healthier. So we need to focus on what we can control. And um, I was doing some reading and I came across that, um, you know, cardiovascular disease, which often was thought of as a man's disease, is actually very prevalent in women, right? And more than one in three American women have some form of cardi- some form of cardiovascular disease or heart disease. And that's just amazing, right? And that is, for many, preventable. There's certainly some hereditary things, but for many, it's it's preventable. So what advice would you give our listeners if we, we want to have healthy hearts? Like, what are some little things we can do, Miss Brittany? Because, you know, prevention, I think, is key, right? And so I think, you know, I kind of come in a group and we're, we're trying to get there. But I appreciate those that are younger um, than I because there's, I've seen this big push, like getting the exercise, walking, what are you eating? There's so much, um, so many more like less red meat, all those different things. But what are some simple things that our listeners can do to have them have healthier hearts? Simple things. Walking. Take a walk, you know, mm-hmm. daily. Another one, stop eating so much salt, sugar, and fat. Eliminate them out of your diet. You can. It's not difficult. You don't have to go on a special diet to get rid of the salt, the fat, um, no fried foods. Um, you can exercise, light exercising, even if you want to do it in the house, super easy. You can exercise with a chair by doing squats. Um, the other one is you want to make sure that you have your mindset ready to have a good health. Like you, mm. your mind, your body, and your soul is one unit. So you have to make sure that your mind is okay, your body is okay, and your spirit is okay because it's one unit. And if you mm-hmm. if you make sure that you are healthy, mind, body, and spirit, you're good. That's good, mind, body, and spirit. And we um we've talked uh some podcasts ago we talked about mental and emotional health. Um, I think we did something a few weeks ago on, on grief. Um, and things like that. And I think um, mental and emotional well-being is an area that people kind of neglect, mm-hmm. right? And, um, you know, when we have anxiety and stress and other things going on, that affects our overall health. And it affects your heart. Yes. It affects your heart tremendously. Yeah. So those are things that we can we can try to control. We can be preventative, right? Mm-hmm. We can be proactive about it so that we don't have to end up going to the doctor and saying like, hey, I'm having these chest pains and this type of thing is happening. Um, the other thing when we start looking at women's health is is cancers. And most people automatically think about breast cancer, which is definitely a top health concern. But I also was reading that skin cancer is very common, lung cancer, colon cancer. I'm hearing more and more uterine cancer. Um, you know, a lot of times, especially I, I was talking to somebody in the black community, cancer has just risen. Mm-hmm. Breast cancer, colon cancer, all these different cancers, you know, kidney cancers, all those things. Um, what can our listeners do um, to help be preventative in nature? We certainly know some things happen, but what are some things that they can do 
to to help address um, the issue of cancer? Okay, first of all, you need to get your annual mammogram when it is directed from your physician to do so. Typically, women around the age of forty start getting their mammograms. Mm-hmm. You need to do that. You need to make make that a yearly, you know, event. Make sure that if you have any issues, any pain, any um, shortness of breath, anything, you need to report it to your physician right away. And if you don't, then that's not being preventative. Mm. Um, the other thing you need to do is listen to your own body. If your body says say that something is not right or something is happening, um, you need to take that for what it's worth and let the physician know. If your physician is not listening, you need to go to another physician. Get a second opinion. If it requires a third opinion, get a third opinion mm-hmm. because we only have one you. So you want to make sure that you do all of the preventative treatments that your doctor tell you to do, like do your mammograms, your x-rays, the things that you need to do, you need to do them mm-hmm. so that if there is something, it can be the um, the x-rays and the, the uh, imaging will pick up on it orally on so that it can be treated and it can be taken care of because the main issue is getting when you, when the, the, the problem has manifested so much where now you're in stage four cancer, stage three cancer. Mm-hmm. But if you would have done your preventative mammogram or just, you know, did your mammogram like you normally should have at 40, they may have caught, you know, mm-hmm. the early stage of breast cancer and they could have given you minimal treatment to actually cause the cancer to be removed. Right. And that those preventative screenings are important. I mean, um, for men, we know prostate uh, screenings are very important, women breast. But also, I, I did learn that they've changed the age for the colonoscopies. Mm-hmm. So now they're saying, uh, particularly for uh, uh, people of color and, and women, that at 45, you should start getting your regular annual uh, colonoscopy. So um, that was some interesting news um, that I uh, came across, honestly, when I was uh, at my last doctor's appointment. So, um, but those are things that we need to stay abreast of. And we need to, you know, certainly sometimes they're not the most comfortable screenings and tests, but you know what, I'll take, you know, 15, 20 minutes of being uncomfortable versus what could happen. And like you said, early detection is key. And we have a few more moments. Um, The other thing that I have heard of, and and this one is very interesting with um, a lot of women are autoimmune diseases. It seems like those are Mm. popping up more and more frequently. And they kind of start as people say, no, I just don't feel right. Or I have this pain or, or or this. And, And we know that these diseases occur when our immune system basically goes haywire and it attacks um, healthy tissues, right? Um, So what um, advice could you give to someone that maybe is just they're experiencing some abnormal pain or constant pain or just something doesn't seem right? It could be loss of hair or a lot of different things that maybe don't go with certain diseases that traditional diseases we would think of, but um, maybe indicate that somebody has some autoimmune issues, what, what should they necessarily look for? What could they do to kind of figure out like if there's really something else going on? First of all, don't ignore it. It's second of all, I keep track of it. You know, when is that uh, symptom occurring? How often is it occurring? 
and share that with your physician. Let your know, let your physician know immediately when you start having those issue, issues or concerns so that if, if, if they know up front, they can actually address the issue and actually start doing blood work. They can do the imaging. They can do all of the tests they need to do to determine if you have that disease. So you need to make sure that, again, don't ignore the signs mm-hmm. or symptoms. Don't ignore the pains, the aches. Don't ignore that because it could be a, a disease that you need to, that needs to be treated. Wow, thank you. That's some good advice. That's a good way to kind of end our conversation. Just don't ignore it. Even if you feel you're not being heard or you go to one doctor, I think you said earlier, get another opinion. Go to another doctor, right? Don't just, so many women live in pain and discomfort and you don't have to live that way, right? It wasn't intended for us to to live that way and you shouldn't ignore that. You shouldn't think it's just part of life. It's not just part of aging. And certainly certain things come with aging, but um, chronic pain and fatigue and things like that don't just come with aging. There could be something else going on. So don't ignore it. And to seek um, professional advice on your issues and, and just keep making noise. Someone will listen to you. Um, and if you feel like you don't have the energy or it's too much, remember, there are care management organizations, your health insurance companies have care managers to help you navigate the process. Um, and so we are so, so thankful for our guests um, for today's podcast. So thank you, Brittany Adams, for joining us today. Um, we invite you, if you'd like to learn more about BFNC or listen to this um, or other of our podcast episodes, visit us at www bfnc.org or you can also uh, check us out on Facebook or Instagram. Also, you can listen to our podcast on the WUFO website and on all major broadcast platforms.